So one thread that uh, you know, runs through all the Buddha's teaching is, is karma, action, uh, principle of karma, cause and effect. And that karma is based upon something called chitana, uh, which is generally translated as intention or volition. But it also we can look at that as inclination, impulse, interest, that movement that turns us one way or another, that movement that turns the mind, good or bad, interest, you know, intention, inclination. Uh, and that's what's moving us along. Um, and this is a mental or chitta condition. That's why it's called chetana. It's very much associated with chitta. So what, what is it that's moved? You could say the heart is moved. One feels elated, excited. There's a certain um, ethical quality to it. There's a certain emotional quality to it. One is kind of reluctantly, sluggishly moved, <laughs> moved backwards or forwards, dithers, but it moves. <laughs> uh, uh, so, unfortunately, the word intention, that translation makes it sound as if it's all very deliberately figured out, but most of it is not deliberately figured out at all. But none of it is. It's an irrational um, reflex uh, uh, that that picking up, uh, yeah. So this, of course, was one of the Buddha's great realizations on his night of awakening. He realized there's, uh, you know, such a thing as as uh, good and bad intentions, and they they give rise to different forms of existence. Uh, and so this is karma rebirth, but actually you can take it much closer than that, much much more microcosmic, much more here and now than that. You can recognize that the nature of impulse drives you in a particular direction and forms you. Yeah. You know, we become, say, uh, eager and there's a certain movement forms us in that way. Now mostly the at your attention goes on to the thing that you're aiming for. could be a, uh, I'm aiming to get something done or you know like a project so I'm eager to do that or I'm pressing hard at it to get it done. It's mostly aimed at doing something or having something. I want that piece of sandwich or a cup of coffee or something so it focuses on the object either the object it's going to have or the object it's going to do or of course the object is going to resist and push away something I could push away and and resist from occurring and so those are the kind of fluctuations then there's an ethical quality to that uh, whether it's associated with um, I want to want to help out uh, looks like somebody needs some help here or you know, I'm getting mine want to get something for myself or got to get this done don't really want to do it but I'm supposed to do it so it could be reluctant it could be mingled 
some good, some bad. It could be high intention, it could be low intention. Uh, and naturally there's a certain habit that occurs with that because these set up certain trajectories. We get results from that uh, and that bounces back because we've, it's felt, results are felt. And this naturally this moves people along and um, it gives shape to one's life, who you associate with, what kind of occupations you take on. So it's naturally it becomes pretty crucial. Most people are trying to get get it together. Yeah, to find uh, a kind of a reasonably pleasant, stable way of being, you know, either in terms of their occupations uh, and in terms of themselves. We want to have a fairly, you know, stable core, stable mind. We don't want to be completely confused and erratic. We want to have some sort of stable core presence. We want the heart to be. You know, I know where I am. I know. I know. What, I want to be solid. You know, and so this is an underlying intention behind all the others. There's an intention, not just to have or do, but how to feel more solid, more in charge, more going the right way. You know, me. <laughs> right you know how, to, how do I get me I don't want to have nothing to do I feel really confused I've got no job I don't know what I'm going to do uh, I, I don't know where I'm supposed to be I don't like that I want to be something very definite and purposeful I want to be the captain of my ship yeah. so this is this inclination is called Bhava, the inclination to become something, to form something, to solidify. You know, intention can be based upon confusion, wrong views, delusion. People kind of solidify around dogma, solidify around political ideologies, solidify around religious beliefs, all kinds of stuff. They make themselves solid by adopting something and believing in it and holding it. Uh, and therefore, in a way, that shapes their lives. And someone who's deeply embedded in a certain dogma, ideology or doctrine will become, see everything from that viewpoint. And as you know, with political ideologies, it becomes so that you can't actually hear another viewpoint. You, know, you, you, you can't tolerate it. You can't, you've got to, it's either, they're wrong. There's no, there can't be a tolerance around that. Yeah. So this is very fully become. Yeah. And there's a certain uh, horrifying solidity it creates. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's no room for anybody else's viewpoint in that. And so we see, you know, that this is this is playing out. In this very life, we are becoming something that shapes what we're able to take in, shapes who we're with, shapes how we react to other people. Oh, she's one of those, you know, because she's not in my team. She's of that strange religion or whatever, because she's not in my group. 
different nationalities and so forth. So these are the things that people become. And as a real irrational, well, understandable instinct to want to solidify. Uh, and the Buddha said this is uh, something you've got to be very careful around. Uh, and he said the best kind of thing you can become is become disengaged. Become steady in your own heart, disengaged from fascination with the senses, disengaged from belief, but steady, steady in your own heart. And he said, this is the process of meditation. Takes you there. Mm, takes you to that. Yeah. Now, uh, it sounds kind of contradictory uh, as an idea. How can you be stabilized in disengagement? Well, we just we were just doing it. <laughs> this is, you know, and this is, uh, we were just doing it. Meaning that uh, you don't necessarily switch off the senses, but you don't go into the mind, they're just there. Your thinking mind is there, but you don't go into that. You don't do any of the kind of localized senses, sight, sound, touch. Yeah. You just kind of hover, neither in them nor out of them. This is called disengagement. And then you can recognize the impulses to figure something out, the mind want to grab hold of something and just keep disengaging from it. It's such a, uh, a subtle point that mostly people will find they really need some support. And so we say, okay, just let the breathing, your own body breathing be there as a kind of as a support. That will stop you, your mind engaging with this and that and this and that and this and that. You said this is, you know, so if you use the breathing and steady in that, it takes you into the somatic domain, the inner body, and it gets very refined in there. It's a tricky process because when we come into the somatic domain, that's the, you say the nervous energy of the body, this is where we in fact we experience our old karma. This is where karma begins and ends. Yeah. So as you experience the old karma, that is the results of the kind of way your mind's been operating. It's sometimes it's extremely um, tense in there or it's it's jangly or it's abysmal you know it's like it's got no substance to it yeah. and these are the results of what one has been engaged with now <laughs> you know we can think it's you know it's my fault but that's that's really not what the teaching is about the buddha says either from your own intentions or from the intentions of other people in other words you've been trained you know, you've been directed to pick up certain intentions. Yeah. And so being socialized creatures, we all adopt certain actions, certain ways of behavior, customs, behaviors, 
and most will adopt certain fundamental social attitudes, work, work hard, compete, get to the top, do the best you can, that kind of quality. And there's no limit to that. You know, the best you can is always a little bit better than yesterday. There's no kind of, there's no enough to it. Because <laughs> it's this notion, isn't it? It's like, how long is a piece of string as long as you stretch it? So very much the social current that we're in is generally encouraging consumer progress more, in a, in a word, <laughs> more of everything. Yeah, more and more diverse. Yeah, so more hobbies, more more movies, more news, more books, more theatre, more occupations, more knowledge, more more diversity, and faster. So that's what we input, and then we output. Do more to cover it all. The results of this are not good. Even if the intention is relatively innocent it still means that we we inherit results of an extremely hyper-aroused uh, state as a norm, in which the normal rhythm of the body, which is to breathe in and breathe out, in other words, we take in and we release, bodies do that, we stand up and we sit down, Yeah, we wake up and then we go to bed, switch off, You've got this rhythm of up and down, in and out, yeah, which is the fundamental life signal that has been adjusted till there's no out. <laughs> there's no down. It's like sun goes up and down, we switch the light on. So we've got permanent light. And so this is the kind of result when intentionality of the mind is hyper it doesn't turn down and the thinking mind of course doesn't doesn't know what that is the body knows what it is bodies know how to do that but the nature of our social life is is it's about you go out of the body into the screen into the book, into the conversation, into the project, into the future, into the the next thing to do. And so it takes you away from organic bodily life. When we practice meditation, we're coming back into bodily life using the bodily rhythm. And it's touch and go, because when you enter that, you're generally going to experience the train wreck or you know the chaos of the hyper state which can fluctuate so people you know can't sleep or have irregular sleep or go through crashes you know where it doesn't properly smoothly coordinate that's why mindfulness of breathing is just um uh it's, it's a leveler it's for somatic health yeah and the somatic health connects directly to the heart. Health of chitta. And that affects intentions. Now, 
the point is that chitta, which generally translated as mind, but I use heart basically because it's non-conceptual in itself. It's non-conceptual. It just produces, it's directed by pleasure and pain. It's directed by impulses. It's directed by meanings. Yeah. How things touch me. Yeah. Which I can't rationalize. I can't say why I find something beautiful. That's not a rational experience. That's an, that's an in, intuitive experience. I can't explain it. Yeah. But it touches me. This is all jitta. It touches jitta. Jitta is aroused or retracts or shivers or prickles or jumps. Hmm? That's, that's the creature. Now that is directly related to this somatic experience, which is, of course, non-conceptual as well, isn't it? You know, body reflexes are non-conceptual. But they're also extremely um, honest. If you feel frightened, your body tells you you feel frightened. You can't, whether you believe it or not, you can feel it. So when we feel happy, it opens up. So when we're coming into this, you recognize there's a fundamental unity or coordination between chitta, heart, and body. Uh, yeah. So then if the body, somatic experience, is smoothed and steadied, that's going to smooth and steady the chitta. A smooth and steady jitta is one aspect of meditation called samatha, samadhi. Yeah. It's smoothing and steadying the jitta. Now, we recognize also that as you cultivate this, your sense of your body, for example, is different as you experience it in meditation than from what you see with your eyes or your notion. So you kind of abandon you abandon a lot of the ideas of what you look like or shape and so forth, hair, teeth, you know. Right now there's just sense of something warm, pressurized, expanding, releasing, yeah, with all these various turbulent energies in them. But you keep to the big picture, don't go in. And this is say where maybe a lot of meditation teaching, unfortunately, in my opinion, focuses on attention, and attention that is the ability to form an object. So really to get attention on to scrutinizing experiences, like a fairly detailed scrutiny of experiences. So we're really with fairly kind of focused, concentrated attention and we call it concentration um, but you don't find this mentioned in the suttas there's no concentration that's not what samadhi is mm. attention should be there to support the intention so your attention is just soft so you're not Focusing on an object because you don't you don't need to focus on an object. You want to feel what's happening in terms of 
your jitta, your heart, not what your heart's pointing to, but what the heart feels like. And you can read that using the mirror of the breathing body. So you're not looking for particular points in the body as such, but opening the body so it acts like a mirror. You can see, oh, I'm, I'm pretty tense because it feels quite tight here. Yeah. So your body will give you immediate reflection on the state of your chitta. So it's not being on the end of your nose or being in a particular physical location. It's like when you look in a mirror, you don't look in a particular corner, you look in the whole thing. Oh, that's me, right? <laughs> you know, it's not like one particular corner of the mirror is any better than any other. Most important thing is to get in the mirror and then clean it up. That's me. That's kind of what you're doing when you meditate. You open the thing up, you feel it, and it's a felt experience. And feel the, how it operates, breathing through it. And this is going to show you your chitta and its confused state or its hindered state. And uh, it will tend to steady it. And oh yeah, this is making me, because this is also an aspect of chitta, the sense of me, a little more solid and comfortable. And so the Buddha said, this is the best kind of becoming. Yeah. <laughs> and you can firm it up and this is what these jhanas are about so the first jhana first jhana isn't even called concentration it just says the first jhana is disengagement so you're not focusing on any particular object it's called viveka disengaged disengaged from sense objects so you including your thinking obsessive thinking and then a quality called vitaka vichara, which is placing and sensing. So you place your awareness on the body and sensing vitaka vichara. And when that's steadied, what starts to occur is a quality of ease and refreshment. So, so, so that when these are established, this is what we call the first jhana. Yeah. Uh, and you can firm that up and it can refine and so forth, but let's not go into that right now. And he said, this, if you sustain this, this is where you can let go or change, or put aside, becoming a firm identity. Now, how does this relate to karma? Now, something again that is uh, obvious in many ways, but generally not noticed, is that 
<laughs> until you meditate, is your jitta has a kind of shape to it. Your heart has a shape to it. We talk about being broad-minded or narrow-minded. Why do we say broad or narrow? You feel the shape. It's not a visual shape, it's a felt shape. You say, I feel pretty um, stretched. Yeah. Uh, I feel heavy, weighed down. Yeah. Um, so what's happening? You get a, there's a felt shape there. Yeah. A felt impression. And based upon that felt impression, this affects the nature of the intention. So the depressed, flattened jitta, the intentions that arise out of it, the actions, the inclinations, the impulses that rise out of it, are flattened and depressed. <laughs> because that's where they came from. <laughs> the angry jitta, when it's prickly and bristling, or if you know what that one feels like, you know, you feel like a tight and hard, guess what comes out of that? Intentions and impulses that have that same quality. Yeah. So the form of your citta dictates the kind of intentions that will come come out, the impulses that come out, the inclinations that readily come out, and that sets the whole karmic thing wheel rolling, right? Now if you can moderate the shape of your citta, so if you're in a light, steady state, then there's not a lot of knives running out of your citta, are there? It's generally quite benign, <laughs> mellow. It's not got a big hang-up about anything. It's not obsessed with anything. It's not trying to make something happen. It's light. It's at ease. Um, the intentions that arise will probably be to do with lightness and ease. And that's just the way it goes. Yeah. And then you become, or that becomes your... That's, who you, that's what you become. You become the result of that. And he said, this is just really helpful to know because rather than get your intentions figured out, I should do this so they agree, I should do that so he's approved, I'm going to make sure I get that done on time, where we're always measuring our intentions from the abstract point of view. The should and shouldn't, the right and wrong the approved and disapproved, the quick, the easiest, what's the convenient, what's the comfortable, what's the cheapest, what's the most useful. We're measuring it in terms of abstract qualities, right? <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think that's going to do? <laughs> yeah, You're living an abstract life. There's no ground in it. Uh, there's no earth element, there's no living quality to it, it's abstracted. And your energy is going into abstractions, which have, they can't support you. 
because they're not alive. Right? Abstractions like being interesting, being popular, being useful. I mean, what do those mean as experiences? When you feel them, mostly, most of these mean a certain amount of strain, <laughs> a certain amount of pressure, a certain amount of obligation, a certain amount of got to make it happen, a certain amount of anxiety that I'm not getting it right. Right? That's what they mean as felt experiences. So now you look at, is it possible to have an intention which doesn't have those negative effects, doesn't strain, doesn't, yeah? And so he said, well, if you get your, your chitta in the right shape, you notice what kind of intentions arise from that, they're light, flexible, interested, comfortable. Well, why don't you f- listen up to that? Notice these. See what can you can touch. See what you can bring out from these bases. This is good karma. So it's meditation, then you're beginning to be able to reset some of these intentions which are reflex, they're reflexes. This is why you can't, you can't reset your mind by ideologies, by thinking. You, you, can re- you only reset it by going back to the basis of the mind, which is in the body. The roots of the mind are in the body. That's why we have a mind. <laughs> to, you know, it's there to help to get through life, a body life. Jitta comes into this body. So the nature of jitta is to sustain awareness of the body in a cooperative relationship with the world around. Um, and then we we using the, this body to notice. Clearing. And a lot of meditation is just about cleaning and clearing and cleaning and clearing. No other intention than that. But um, the results are certain intentions no longer fit. Uh, abusiveness, yeah, um, intoxication, mm. just doesn't fit. Lying is unpleasant. If you tell a lie, you feel a real sense of shame uh, because you know. So by itself, it's a self-healing program that doesn't use judgment to heal. Doesn't use. You should be better to heal. It doesn't use, you're not good enough to heal. It just uses, this feels healthy. And certain intentions drop away. So this is the way we use meditation to go to the basis of what's going to steer our life. Reviewing it, 
you can also recognize this quality of jitta is, is bound up, is associated with bodily conditions, intentions, habits, social programming. Uh, there's no person in here. You don't need to have an identity. You don't need to have an identity to breathe in and out. <laughs> it's kind of irrelevant, you know. Uh, you don't need to have an identity to walk up and down. It, it's, it gets in the way, in fact. So you begin to be able to slip out of the identity packet, which is where the socialised and uh, indoctrinated karma lies and this is touching into the truth of not self Hmm? means you don't have to have a fixed identity you're better off without it because then instead of operating in terms of what I'm supposed to be what what I should be and what other people want me to be I operate in terms of good intention I know what it is and feel it so I offer this for your reflection this evening morning afternoon whatever it is for you